Jeremy, talk a little bit about women's hockey and what it means to the college. And, uh, you know, you've been one of the architects getting Aaron here, building the program, investing in it. I mean, if you haven't seen the facility, it's a great facility here in Lawler Arena, but the locker rooms and stuff like that are just wonderful. Talk about as the athletic director what you've done to kind of move that along and, and the challenges you've had as athletic director. Sure. So, you know, it really started uh, in the summer of 2013. And I think I, I had recently been hired as the athletic director. I don't know if I had had my official first day of work yet. And I extended an offer to Aaron to come join us and be part of the program and really lead the program going forward. And so, um, to me, the most important aspect of, of trying to go into to launching a women's hockey program was having the right people around it and having the right people to lead it. Um, and we knew that when we brought Erin to campus and talked with her about her vision and the strategies around how she would look to do it, um, there, was, uh, there was no sitting back in terms of her mindset. And as we got to talking, the original plan for women's hockey for, for us as it was spelled out was going to be that we were going to start a club team. We'd compete as a club team for a year, and then we were going to be an independent Division One team for a year, and then we would petition in year three to become a full member of, of Hockey East. And Aaron and I, as we had the conversations, just decided, why don't we just jump in, right? And we had people thinking we were a little bit crazy and, you know, saying, you're, you're going to take your lumps. And um, it's not to say that we didn't, but I think that we had confidence that we'd be able to go out and attract the, the women who would be able to get onto the ice and have the, the right mental attitude to be able to withstand some of the challenges that they saw in that first year, and they certainly did. Um, you know, jumping into a league like Hockey East, which is as competitive as it comes in the world of, of women's hockey, um, you know, we, we competed. And it wasn't long before the, the kind of persona that that program had taken on started recruiting a whole nother level of, of women. Um, and we saw it on the ice over the last few years. They were competitive in every single game. And as, as Aaron points out, you know, was, was really a top-tier program in the world of, of women's college hockey. You know, the other piece that to me was important, Aaron talks about firsts, and there are not a lot of schools out there that are starting women's hockey programs, and I think that is one of the biggest points of pride that we have in the fact that, you know, we recognize that, that we have a campus that certainly has a culture that, that supports its athletic programs. We've had a, a long and proud history with the men's programs, and the logical next step was to launch the women's program. And I think under your leadership, Chris, and um, recognizing that that was something that was important for this college to do, um, again, going out, finding the right people, finding the people who were uh, not going to worry about the obstacles that were in their way, but they were going to be really pioneers in the sport. Um, and we've seen it with the women that Aaron talks about now having a class of, of alumni that have gone through that. It's amazing that it's gone that far in such a short amount of time. Um, but these are women who didn't just have a great experience here. They're women who are playing professionally um, coming out of our program. And, you know, you, you look out and you see that we're competing now with, uh, you know, the women are, are on rosters with the women who have competed in perennial powerhouses like Boston College, like Minnesota. Um, and not only are we right there with them, but we're helping to lead the pack in that world. And, you know, it, it continues to go forward. It, you know, it feels like it's just the start of fall, but we're already into the throes of the winter season, and Erin and her team have four games under their belt and, um, you know, two wins in, in the last couple of them. But, you know, it's just been, it's been an enormous amount of pride. Every time I go to one of their games and I, I see what, what really Erin has created, and I think we've done a pretty good job of providing support for the things that, that she feels that she's needed to grow the program. Um, but they're just an amazing group of women. That's great. Aaron, talk a little bit about, um, you know, you were a player in Hockey East at UNH, a goalie, I believe you were. And um, 
tell me a little bit about what it's been like um, to go back as a coach into Hockey East. And here we are, the the small Merrimack into the big UNHs, the UMass Lowell's, the UMass Amherst's. But you've done so well. Tell me about how they've accepted the program, the school, you. Um, you have a long history of doing this. But talk a little bit about what that that experience has been like. Yeah, so um, it's really actually kind of funny. Uh, Joe Britannia, who is the commissioner of Hockey East at this moment, um, he is... Uh, kind of an old family friend. And so when I... I he's an old family friend with everyone. I think he's an old family. Yeah, that's true. He, um, when I was eight years old, I was in his goalie camps, right? So the the fun part about being part of Hockey East as a coach is that my interaction with Joe always starts out with, well, I remember when you were eight years old and in my camp in Hingham and, you know, I coached you and all of that. So it it's an experience where Hockey East is, women's hockey is small in general, and Hockey East is a, is very family-oriented in a lot of different ways. So um, when I was a player, I was a player at University of New Hampshire, and, and there wasn't Hockey East at that point, but it was ECAC, and, and it led right into me coaching at UNH, where it became a Hockey East um, league. The league became uh, a reality um, sometime in the middle of my coaching career there. Um, it, it's a pretty unique experience to be a player that leads into um, ECAC, but really truly belongs in Hockey East, then a coach at Hockey East at, at, as an assistant and associate coach level, and then be able to start a program um, at the same in the same league. Uh, very unique experience. Um, again, Joe has really paved the way for all of that. So to be a part of something that has such history, not only on the women's side, even though it's a shorter history, but on the men's side of being a strong perennial uh, perennial house um, in terms of the competitive level of what's what it's brought in. So unique but amazing experience to be a part of a league that is nationally recognized, that everybody knows, and, and that everybody wants to compete against day in and day out. And they're always kind of uh, knocking at the door, if not a part of the Frozen Four. Great. Talk a little bit about, I want to talk about students for a second and, um, you know, the, the girls you've recruited in here and and what you look for. And, you know, I mean, you're a leader, natural leader. We see that at the college here. And you're bringing in 24, 30 young women to, to play for you. And uh, But you're also not just coaching them. You're helping them in life. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, pro opportunities after uh, college from when ice hockey players. So, so it's not just about playing hockey. It's about the next step in their lives. Talk about, about who you recruit, why you recruit them, what you look for. What, what is that whole experience of recruiting like for you as a coach and then the players themselves? Yeah, recruiting is great. I mean, the one part about recruiting that I love is you really get to know your your people. You get to know your athletes, but you get to know them more than that. You know, you get to know their families. You get to know what they like and don't like. You get to know why they really want to be a part of your program. Um, and you get to encourage the best parts of them uh, as they come into your program. So we've been really, really fortunate. Um, I don't recruit just great athletes. I've recruited great people. And we've had some incredible people have done incredible things already a part of our program. Yes, there are some that have gone on to play. I have two in Sweden right now playing for one of my former national team players um, that I played with. Um, I've got three that are kind of dabbing, dabbling around in, in the women's professional hockey in the States and uh, and in Canada, but they, they don't have a formed league that's going yet. So we're kind of moving forward. Um, the recruiting piece is such that um, you get invested in the process of getting to know the families and then you get to know what they really truly like. Some of the players that have come out of this program, um, most of them have been incredible academic students. Um, they have done things with their professors to, in terms of internships, um, development. One of them, uh, two of them actually, just uh, helped design the Hockey East 
uh, trophy for the regular season trophy. And so we're, in, you know, we really wanted to be the first ones to be have it presented to us, of course. But um, Northeastern got it first, so we just have to take it back from them. So, um, but it, it's really incredible to see these players grow and their maturity. I had 19 freshmen when they first started. And it was like herding cats at times. So 19 freshmen moving on four years later to have players who do some, you know, design experience and do some incredible things in the community. Um, you know, Paige Sorensen, who was this environmentally conscious person who has done some amazing um, environmental things, starting, you know, with this green club and all these things that involved it on campus has made an impact with some of the people here. So just a great experience to go through the recruiting process and then see them grow. I'm almost like their second mom here. So it's nice to have that experience of being able to watch them step forward every year. Yeah, you've done a great job with that. Paige, uh, Paige Sorsen was the uh, graduation speaker last year for students yes. and um, a she very an impressive job. young woman, uh, even made her own uh, major in music, which we don't have. She did a custom degree, which was uh, just being a Division One hockey player, making your own major, uh, forming clubs, doing community work. She was a very impressive young woman, and uh, I, g- I give her and you a lot of credit. Yeah. So she had the full experience of college. Um, talk a little bit to me about um, um, the hockey season this year and what it looks like to you with the teams that are going to be really competitive, others that you think are going to really, uh, you're going to have to work at to beat. And, and what does that look like for the year for you? Yeah, so we preach process in our program a lot. Um, So I think there are a lot of talented teams in Hockey East, but I think we're one of them. And I really believe that the process for us is just growing with our younger players, just getting them up to speed with what we need. And then by Christmas time, hopefully having us in full stride. Um, we hope sooner than that, but but hopefully by Christmas time, full stride in terms of catching up kind of to where we ended last year. Um, obviously, Northeastern's always been a really strong program, and, and they were picked to be first again in Hockey East this year. Uh, Boston College, you know, we saw the first weekend, and it was a good wake-up call for our players to really see that speed and that pace and that creativity right away. Uh, but we stayed with them which really proved to me that we recruited the right players and we have the right players in-house. It's just, again, a matter of catching them up to our way, um, the warrior way. And then um, Boston University, we see this weekend, they're another one who's who's always sneaky good. Um, they've got some creative players. They always kind of catch up as the season goes on in terms of being there in the finals in the end. So um, so those three teams are primarily the the better teams of the league, we believe. Um, but again, I think any team is beatable. Um, I think we actually proved that with the first weekend with BC that we had our opportunities. We, we had even scoring chances in that first game with them. So um, to me, that tells me that we can compete with anybody in our league and, and we have every right to be there in the end, just as Northeastern does. Yeah. Talk about what women's hockey, especially at the collegiate level, it's uh, changing. It's um, the players are faster, quicker. The slap shots are hotter. It's fascinating to watch. I've been watching women's hockey for a number of years, and there is no question it's 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 a very competitive sport. And athletically, uh, the women who play are at the top of their game. And um, I even saw this weekend's game uh, a much more physical game. Talk a little bit about the changes and what's happened at the NCAA level, and and how just the girls coming now are just that much more competitive. Right. I, you know, I think that it all started really with strength and conditioning is that that was the big piece that ca- was the catalyst um, to really make changes in terms of the physicality of, of the women's game. It, it's always been getting quicker, but because of the strength and conditioning piece and the aspect of speed and increasing the speed of these players and then having them be able to play at that higher level against other 
uh, high-level players with the development of the U18 national team, the development of the under-22 national team. All of those pieces coming together allowed for players that were those top-end or those uh, top-echelon players to be able to have that high level of competition to play against spring, summer, uh, fall, and able to to be able to kind of catch up to um, the speed of the game that that was kind of leveled the pace at the higher level. Uh, the physicality is interesting because this year will be more physical than any other year in women's hockey. Um, the coaches, uh, along with some input, decided that that we really wanted the game the officials to let the game go a little bit, um, certainly call the dangerous plays, certainly be able to step in for any of those hitting from behinds and, and really call it the right way without that full checking, but allow players to play. And that was kind of another aspect of looking at what the national teams do, looking at what the under-22 teams do and saying, this is what the product, this is the product we want. We want the Olympic national team type product to show in our college level. So we want to be able to play hockey at that level. And we don't want all this ticky-tacky stuff to be called. So the physicality is really coming up as well, especially this year. Yeah, I saw that in the game at RPI. It was um, really, it was a quick game. It was fast, very strategic, great passing, great shots. It was uh, it was a fun game to watch. It really was. Uh, both games were. Talk a little bit about um, 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 the locker room and how you prepare a team to get it ready for a big game. I've, I've you know, I've, I've, you know, met the girls before in the locker room, and um, and you you have a unique way of doing it as a coach, and how you motivate them, how you move them forward. Talk a bit about how you do that. You know, it gets harder every year. I think sometimes, you know, you walk into a locker room and you feel like you've already said it before because you know, on year five, I probably have already said it before. It's just to a new group. So, um, you know, we have an incredible space where you walk into that locker room and you already feel the energy. Um, just the setup of our space, the fact that we've got this almost rink-like atmosphere in there, has created this atmosphere where players don't have a hard time imagining themselves on the ice. So, we talk a lot about. Um, visualization. We talk a lot about energy. We really preach what we want to be as a program. And every year it's a little bit different, but for us, it's always, it always has work ethic as the foundation. So what we really try to do is bring back what the process is. Our, we have period goals. So every time we go in there, we want certain number of shots on goal, a certain number of face-off wins. We want the energy up on the bench. So there are certain things that we have checkboxes for. And so we talk to them about that. And then in the end, um, if they're not self-motivated, there isn't much I can do to get them going. But when I walk into the room, you know, my expectation is that all eyes are are forward on our staff and all eyes are ready to go and all of our brains are turned on. And so we really kind of have three or four words that we say or three or four sentences, and that's all they really need to get motivated. At that point, the leadership within our locker room should have taken them far enough where they don't need much more. Great. Now, uh, last season was, I think, 16 wins. Yes. Uh, the best ever in the program's history, I think. And you made the quarterfinals of the Hockey East uh, playoffs. Um, but that was built upon a group that you recruited four years earlier, and a lot of them have left. In fact, I think about 18 and 19 of them are, are off the team now. So tell me about the transition. A lot of young players, a lot of new players to the college environment. Talk about that transition, because now you have a full four years of recruiting. Now you're almost starting over in some ways, yet with a lot more experience. Talk about that a little bit and what, what that, how that's hotter with a, new, a lot of young kids on the team. Yeah, you know what? We were really, really thankful for um, our skill hours. We have um, we had a rule change this year where we were allowed to take them for four hours, um, starting from when classes started. And for us, that was a godsend with these young players because we needed to get them out there for every last ounce of those four hours every week. And that gave us the ability to really work on those skill pieces that we lost. 
um, you know, when you take a group of mature individuals and you move them on and you know that they've, they're kind of putting into place exactly what you're, you've talked about for the past four years or three years, and then you take an entirely new group and try to catch them up when they don't, haven't had the same coaching level, it's a challenging environment. So those four hours a week really helped us to get kind of moving right away. And then once we got the team together, we had only had one week to prepare with a full uh, a full week of practice before we played BC. And one week is not a lot of time to to go on the ice with uh, eleven new, well, ten new players basically, two transfers and and uh, eight freshmen, and try to get them up to speed to what we want. So um, the preparation was key. The skills. I have two incredible assistant coaches that go on the ice with our players and do skill work. Every week, almost every day, um, whether it's splitting up the forward and the D and doing it with them as positionally or, um, and the goalies, or whether it's taking them individually and doing skill work. And, and they have been invaluable to me in terms of being able to put the pieces together. And then the big picture becomes a little bit more mine. But the, the pieces that they put together have allowed me to really get this program up to speed very quickly. So all the credit really is my staff. So you talked about your staff. Beyond all the work, the great work that they do when they're on the ice, a big piece of, of what they do for the program is the recruiting. Um, really, all three of you on the road. Talk to us a little bit about how that's evolved over your time here, You know, starting from going out on the road and trying to, to sell a program that was just starting to exist to now you've had some success. What's it like when you're talking to the young women and families about potentially becoming hockey players at Merrimack? Well, it used to be that we would have to go to them, right? And and now they're coming to us. And that's a really big difference is I think the biggest piece that we again have is the school has so much to offer in terms of the number of majors. We have the ability to be flexible with majors. We don't have to restrict necessarily. So if there's a, a student who wants to come in and do nursing, I've actually had a conversation with the nursing department and they've said, yes, we can work around that. We can figure that out. And I think that's one of the gems of this school is that Merrimack has allowed us to be able to be a little bit more flexible in terms of allowing our athletes to come in and really understand that they can major in something that's going to take them through the rest of their life without compromising. Um, that's been a really big piece of our recruiting is being able to have that. The other side is uh, a lot of students, a lot of student athletes that we recruit love the smaller school atmosphere. They love the personal attention. So when we go on the road, we specifically target players that maybe aren't in the, the Olympic category yet. They might be up-and-coming developing players that we think have potential for the national team but might not have been targeted early. Um, strategically, that makes sense for us because we might not be a Big Ten school that has the ability to grab X, Y, or Z player yet, but we're getting to that point where we're building our reputation to hopefully in the future be able to do so. So right now, we know that we have a certain subset that we're targeting that are players that are very, very good, highly skilled hockey players. They just might not be as known as other hockey players right now, so we have to be very specific about where we go and how we do it. And how about the familiarity with the college as you, you recruit really all over the world for the top athletes to come here? How have you seen... Um, just the recognition and understanding of what Merrimack College is evolve as you've been out on the road. Yeah, I, I think the biggest piece is that when we first started, and, and this is very memorable, is that we'd go out and people would say, so um, you're from Mer Mary, Mary Ma Mary Mac." Where's that? And nobody knew where it was. Nobody knew who we were. Um, people would have, we'd have our jackets on that said Merrimack. Nobody knew how to pronounce us. So I think the biggest difference now is that 
we're we're well known. I think the branding has gotten out there. I think the fact that um, President Hopi, to your credit, you know, we've done a great job of really making this school recognizable in more than New England area. That's been a really big deal for us because as we go out to Minnesota, as we go out to, you know, California, we have some kids coming from there. We go out to these places, they actually know who we are now. And so not only because we've made a mark in Hockey East or because we've made a mark on the hockey world, but because the school has made a mark nationally. Great. Talk about the world. Um, you're headed to Europe this year to play Quimpiac in the, uh, I think it's called the uh, Friendship Four. For us, it's the Friendship Series. There are two teams. Um, this is an incredibly exciting experience for us. Uh, Northeastern and Clarkson went last year. Um, it's a two-game series. It's just after Christmas, so um, just after New Year's, actually. And it is um, a great chance to, again, take our our uh, our program to a place that we've never been, but also to showcase what we have. Um, we have professors that are from Ireland, and so I've actually had some great conversations with professors here who are like, this is great, I can teach your players about the conflict and about all of this and get you guys up to speed with the history of it, but also bringing our players somewhere where we can showcase what we have is is a pretty cool experience, not to mention the fact that they're all very, very excited to go on a plane overseas and have the experience of um, something that nobody else in Hockey East will have this year. So it's just a very cool experience for all of us. And they get headed to Belfast, right? It's, so the games are in Belfast. We fly into Dublin, and we got a, um, we've got a couple of events that we get to go to, the, to visit the mayor in Belfast. And um, I believe we're going to present her with a jersey, and so she'll have a Merrimack jersey. Uh, you know, there's just some really cool experiences that we get to do, um, tour City Hall and just Titanic Museum, all these things that are there outside of the hockey piece that are a great learning experience for our athletes, but also just a very unique experience for, for this group. Yeah, they'll have fun. I've been to Belfast a number of times. It's a neat city to go to and visit. A lot of history, uh, a lot of neat little pubs. You know, it's going to be fun for the kids. That's great. Um, talk a little bit about um, um, you're playing more and more teams out west, and one of those strategies is to kind of build our name out there so you can recruit. Talk about how you go through that, how you choose the teams to play out west, because it's not a simple trip. You don't just get on a bus and drive there. you got to get on a plane and go and spend a couple of days. So talk about the teams. You've, you've been going to Minnesota a couple of times in the last couple of years. Talk about that experience. Talk about how you how you connect with those teams, how you go out there and play them, what that's like for the, the kids, because they tend to be bigger arenas more folks some of them yeah uh, so this year we're playing Mankato um, I've actually never been there so this will be a great experience for me and most of this really develops from my past relationships with coaches um, when I you know I've been coaching for over 15 16 years right now and um, through that coaching experience at different levels I've been able to connect with a lot of different coaches and through national team experience as well um, we choose um, I've never been afraid to play any team. So when we went out and played Minnesota, I think the first comment from a lot of people outside of our program and outside of the school was, oh, you guys are going to get, you know, your hats handed to you. It's going to be a tough experience. You're going to walk in there and you're going to get blown out. And I think a lot of people had already projected what was going to happen. And in my world, you know, and in my experience, you know, it's great to get those teams on our schedule because it puts us in a position where Minnesota's already made it. They've already been there. They're already a perennial. They've, they're already a team that's been in the national championship numerous times. We want to aspire to be like them. Then we better play teams like them. And that's always been my my way of thinking. So going out there and playing them was an incredible experience. And winning the first game out of that series 
was uh, one of the experiences of my life. I, I've just I'll never I'll never forget that type of experience. Going out and playing different teams is a great variety for us, and playing a WCHA team on our schedule gets us in a position where nationally, if we take games from those teams, we compare league to league. Um, so we put ourselves in a position to nationally be uh, ranked higher. And so for me, I also want to spread out the leagues as best as I can and get teams from different leagues on our schedule so that I put us in a good position nationally. Great. So Merrimack is going Division One, all of our sports, and you've been kind of the first, a trailblazer, right? You're really the, the program that's in some ways started this process, you know, uh, going Division One women's ice hockey. Um, and you're really one of our leading coaches now in women's athletics. Talk a little bit about about your, you know, your relationship with the other Division One coaches this year, helping them in that process. I know they've talked to you about that process, but talk about that a little bit and, and kind of what you see for the college, what you think Division One's going to do for the whole institution. So it, it was great. I had um, I had a chance in the spring and summer to really speak with uh, most of our, our coaches, and everybody's got a unique take, and everybody's in a different position based on where they were in, in the current league and and where they're projected in the in the NEC. So for them, they're all very individual in what they do. Um, but I, the unique part of or the great part about the experience of talking with them is that I got to talk about what I went through with our program. And it was a little different, but it was similar in a lot of ways. Um, there's always expectations that coaches have on teams that sometimes are not the expectation that you really want to project. Um, they, you don't want to make sure you want to make sure that your team doesn't think that they can't achieve certain milestones, but at the same time, you want to temper expectations a little bit so that you make it realistic. And so that's a lot of what those conversation revolved around is with those coaches talking about what their realistic expectations were, how they were going to convey that with their athletes, what they were going to talk about with their leaders, how they were going to dis- develop leadership groups, what happens when things go wrong. Um, what happens when you've only won two games by midseason? What do you tell your athletes at that point? And so they were really um, valuable conversations from both sides. I think for us to me to reflect on what I went through, but also um, with only five wins in our first year, and then to think about what they are going to go through. I think to have these coaches really kind of go through the process, thought process. So um, what it's really meant to have everybody at Division One, it's been, um, it's almost like, you can have a common ground now. I can have a common conversation with these coaches of um, expecting more of their athletes than what maybe they originally expected because of the level of, of play going up and because of the level of division going up. So I think our conversations have been more about uh, they're, they're more level. I'm able to actually give a little bit more feedback Um I'm not so foreign to the Division II, you know, world anymore. So our conversations kind of are more at par with, yeah, this is what it's like to be at Division One, and this is kind of where we can help each other. And I think the cohesiveness, um, the collaboration, that's really one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most out of out of the programs going Division One. Great. So women's hockey is um, really a big part of our community now. Uh, I go back four years in the first game. We had the largest crowd in the history of hockey, East women's ice hockey. Um, but you've had a following here on the campus, and um, the games, although not sold out, uh, for women's hockey, you actually have larger crowds than most places. It's been very popular amongst our faculty and our staff and our students. It's been great um, support for the program. I talk a little bit about that in the community and how that helps you. I'll never forget that first game. I mean, we're playing St. Cloud, and, and you look up in the stands, and I think it was, what, 1700 something. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm not as good at numbers as you, but I I have very vivid memories and, and that crowd really propelled our team. The emotions were high anyway, but but the crowd and the energy really 
uh, fueled our team to almost win that game um, if it weren't for a couple of special team snafus. So we we had an cr- incredible experience with the community rallying around us. I think what we've done is we've gained momentum, even though the crowd hasn't been always 1,700. We've gained momentum with the current program along the same level as a boys program. And so most of the time they're migrating over to the girls right away. That's been a great experience for the girls who have been able to step in and be a part of a locker room. Um, a social scene as well coming up. And that's something that got lost with girls being part of boys programs is that they were always kind of on the outside looking in. And so now a lot of the girls that come in both have the experience of playing with the girls and being the social side of it, but they also have a level of play that's gotten higher and higher and higher every year. And so these select teams, the I coached a, one of the select teams over in Europe this past year, high level of hockey, primarily division one players playing against select teams from all over the world in this invitational in France. And that, you know, kind of tells you alone how much growth women's hockey and girls hockey has had. These are 06 birth years that are playing that you can already identify as mostly Division One players because they've had the experience of playing at that high level of girls hockey from, you know, peewees on. Um, that's had a high impact on girls coming into women's. So it's steamrolled into more and more girls and women starting. So that that registration keeps going up and up and up. And so it's been a great experience for me to watch the growth from very little to to a, a spike for the Olympics. And then it's just continued to maintain and go a little bit higher every year. So um, I would say a credit to USA Hockey to really be able to be in the forefront of developing a lot of these younger players, putting into place the U18 program, the U22 program, a lot of those development programs. Hockey Canada is doing the same. A lot of these national, um, these international um, countries who have put into place the youth level, um, high level programs or teams have spurred on young girls being want to be a, represent their country. And so it's given some life. Yeah, and I mean, if you go to women's hockey, I mean, it's really, it's a great product. It's a great game to watch. It's competitive. It's fast. It's strategic. Um, and now it's even a little bit more physical, which just changes the whole game. Um, on that side of, uh, of players and teams, um, you know, over time, you've now had a program in the fifth year. Talk about rivalries. Who's become your big rival in the league? You know, it's funny. Uh, Providence has always been my biggest rival, and I think I projected that onto the group pretty early. So probably due to my projection, Providence has been one of our biggest. Um, I would say from a player's perspective, UConn early on, because we always had those tight games with them, they were always physical. Um, That was probably one of the bigger ones as well. But to me, Providence still um, reigns as our as our top rival. I think we just have a hard time getting through them um, during the season. They always kind of seem to come out in the end, and and we just need to change that dynamic. So I think we always want to see past, you know, getting getting one step further than them this year. Um, but they always seem to be the one, the thorn in my side. So uh, I haven't heard uh, your alma mater there, UNH. Uh, good program. Um, you've done pretty well against them. What's that like as a as a former player and coach uh, to go back to your alma mater and play? Uh, well, you know, odd at first, right? Um, walking into that building. Now, now the fact that we got our first Hockey East win against them in that first year helped a little ease that that feeling. But we, um, 
I, I say it every year, every time I walk into the WIT, you know, which is obviously a pretty big building, and I coached there, but I didn't play there. And walking in, it, it gets less and less strange to be on the opposite side of the bench. And so for me, um, I think because there are so many welcoming people back there, it has never seemed like a, a hostile place for me to go. I've always felt welcomed there, and, and there are always people there that have welcomed our team. So... Um, yeah, UNH hasn't, it just hasn't struck me as the bigger rival. I always want to beat them, of course, um, just I do any team. So, but yeah, I think that the teams that I, were rivals for me tend to still stick out as rivals for me here. And where's the toughest uh, kind of arena to play in now in women's ice hockey? Um, you know, I think the toughest is probably UConn. They're tight corners, and they, it's it just kind of seems like that building that you're always running into people. And we're a smaller rink in general as well, but UConn tends to be a really tough place. The other one would be Northeastern because that huge video board distracts our players, I think. So, I mean, they put puppies up there, and our players look up at the at the video board in between the in between whistles. So, um, I, I think Northeastern, just in general, is a tough place to play because of the team. But UConn tends to be a little tougher because of the corners and the breakout scenario you have you have to make passes and do things a little bit quicker great well Aaron, i want to thank you for being here today it's great to talk to you uh, congratulations on your team um good luck in belfast it's gonna be fun for, for the for the team to go out there and do that and uh we're just very proud of you here on the campus uh you've built a wonderful program that's building a national reputation and you're extremely competitive and i wish you the best of luck and in, in all the years to come that's great Thank you, Dr. Hobie. And thank you, Jeremy, for everything. We appreciate it. We'll see you next Tuesday. But for everyone here from Merrimack College, Cushing Hall, thank you for listening today.